0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Varsity Voice. Today, I'm joined by Alex Paquin and Sierra Diara. And we have a really great conversation for you guys. So we talked about what the experience is like joining a new team and living in a new city, but a city that's also your home. We talk about the difference in support systems from American sports to Canadian sports. And we have a spirited debate over if college athletes that should be paid. I think you guys are going to like it a lot, so give it a listen. Alex, Sarah, thank you for joining me, guys. How's it going? How you guys good.
1: doing? Good. Good. How you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm well. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get into our subject, uh, I want to know, and I think I'll ask Alex first, since the mic is facing Alex right now. Uh, w- so I, we often like to ask our guests, how did they get into the sport? But I think I'm more curious of when did you know you were good at basketball, and wanted to choose it over other sports or other interests that you had in your life.
1: All right, Yeah. So, I would say I started feeling myself with basketball when I was like eight years old. Eight years old. Yeah. No, seriously. Because I was this kid who would who would be annoying annoying with a basketball, always dribbling at like six a.m. everywhere. And then, but but then I figured out I wanted to like go places with basketball when I was like maybe 15 where I had to make a choice between basketball and baseball and then I had to pick like okay so the answer uh, is
0: 15 yeah since 15 is when you, you see, realized I mean, you, you were a little questions. bit better than everybody yeah. and you knew like okay I can I can pursue this at a high level yeah. okay what about you Sarah?
2: Um, for me it was later in life um, like my whole life playing basketball people were telling me oh like you have potential you have potential so that was the only thing like I was hearing and then when I really realized that like I had what it takes to go to the next level was when I started receiving offers Hmm. and that's when like I really I I saw that I was able to go and perform at the next level
0: right so for people who might not know what that means to receive an offer do you want to talk a little bit about what what that means
2: so that's when like coaches are starting to send you letters and like like you're starting to have like interest and then those interest turns into like them calling you and um, offering you scholarships
0: that's really cool what about like like, how did you know you wanted to play basketball? Like, what what made you choose basketball over something else?
2: For me, it was my mom. She just, I tried a lot of sports when I was younger. I started with high skating, then, <laughs> <laughs> then Were
0: you not very graceful on the ice? <laughs>
2: no, I was actually really good. Like, I was, it was good. It was good times, but yeah. I gave that up, then I tried tennis, and I didn't like the individual this. sports. Then I did soccer, didn't really like it. Um, and then my mom was just like, "Oh, just go and play basketball. You're tall, so just try this." And then I just loved it, so I kept doing it. Mm.
1: That's simple. What about you, Alex? What do you think? Uh, for me, I actually grew up playing baseball more than, than basketball. But I'm this super active kid who just loves to run around. You really annoying kid at yeah. recess that was just gone. yeah. Oh. I just give me a ball and I'll just run around with it. So I feel like baseball was just too slow for me. So mm-hmm. I had to choose between that's ba- so why I had to choose basketball over baseball. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs>
0: um, all right, so you know, the reason why I asked both of you to come on to this podcast is because you both have kind of unique experiences, uh, being that you both are from Montreal, excelled at basketball in Montreal, and then were able to parlay that into a career at a university in the United States to get uh, got a Division one offers and did that. And now you came back for the, to finish your career at McGill. So and it's and it's pretty crazy. Like, do you guys want to talk about how um, your your connection is the, between the two of you? Like, like for people who don't know how 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 long your friendship runs, do you want to talk a little bit about that.
1: We we went to high school together, so it's been what like seven, nine nine years. Nine years. So she came in when I was in sec four or five, and then we went to the same Sejab. And then, yeah, we, we started really connecting when we were in CJep And then we've been, like, best friends ever since. So yeah. that's pretty much it.
0: Do you, do you think you guys have stayed friends? Did you stay friends as you guys went off on your own kind of NCAA journeys?
2: Um, yeah, I think that's when our friendship got stronger. Because, I mean, like he said, like, we known each other since high school, then became friends in CJep And then Alex left before me. And then that's when, like like, we started, like, talking more, like, like he was explaining me his experience over there and then mm-hmm. I left to go to Clemson so like he was like one of the person in my like support system right. and I think I was one of the person he had to in his support system
1: yeah so just to add to that I feel like because I was there a year earlier uh, I was able to, to not teach her but like tell her about my experience yeah. and, and when she got there she kind of knew what was going to happen because she she like I, I've told her all about my experience my first year and then she kind of got there, and she's not expected, but, like, she, she kind of knew,
0: so, it So, Sarah, what was the biggest piece of advice that you got from Alex? What was the what was the best piece of advice he gave you?
2: Um, I think the best piece of advice he gave me was to, like, go there and not expect to play, and not like, have to work hard, and it's going to be, like, basically, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And I think he was doing that for me not to go there and then, like, just hit a wall thinking that I was... Like, whatever I was doing in CJEP, it was going to be the same exact thing when I get there that I had to work to get what I wanted.
0: Right. How does that, how does that work, Alex? Do you think that was... Was that your best piece
1: of advice? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell her she wasn't going to play, but, yeah, I <laughs> told her it was going to be hard.
0: <laughs> um, so well, you guys have an interesting experience because you joined McGill basketball teams being some of the older players on the team as your first year. So, Syria, you're going through it right now. Alex, you went through it last year. But, uh, you know, Alex, what is it like to be an, a new person in a, a, at a team and also be, like, one of the older people on the team? What's that experience like?
1: So, last year, the first, honestly, the first few months were pretty hard for me because yeah. McGill's such a tight group, and I, I came in with a veteran group that had, uh, guys that have been there for four years, five years together, playing together, so they all had this great bond, this great friendship. That I was like this intruder, and and I feel like, like basketball wise, I was gonna be like one of the best. So it was kind of weird to adjust at first. Like they didn't trust me. I didn't come in. As... You felt like
0: you felt like guys on the team didn't trust you.
1: Well, not didn't trust me, but like I I had to earn it, and mm. I kind I kind of came in with like not a cocky attitude, but I kinda came in with like this mentality that always oh, gonna be easy, you know, I'm coming from the US, this is right. Canada, this is gonna be a piece of a piece of cake. But um the first few months, man, I hit a wall. <laughs> like but uh but after like right around Christmas time, I feel like this like chemistry I just bought in and then the guys really welcomed me with like wide open arms mm-hmm. and, and honestly I had so much fun. Yeah. I feel like having older guys with me was really like like it was it was even better for me cuz they knew like they knew how to uh get people together they'd been there before so yeah for me it was it was great uh, yeah for sure yeah.
0: what about you Sierra how is that experience going right now
2: well still going through the same process of like trying to know where i fit on the team yeah but i didn't come in with a cocky attitude because <laughs> alex didn't let me like oh, as okay. soon as i told him that i was coming back Like, he was telling me, like, you can't come here and expect this and that. Because, like he said, like, he's been through it. So he was giving me pieces of advice. But I think right now the biggest thing for me is to, like, gain the trust of my teammates. Like, uh, like I feel like they respect me and stuff. But it's still hard to, like, see where I fit on the team. Because, again, coming from the NCAA, like, there's expectation. Mm -hmm. Either, like, they don't tell it. But, like, you can kind of feel it. And then... Again, like I have to earn their trust, like on the court. But I think I'm getting there. Like coming back from an injury and mm-hmm. that, like for me, it was harder because, like, instead of starting in the summer, I started in October. Right. But you were,
0: you were recovering from, a, was it a hip injury?
2: No, ah. uh, I was a uh, ne- meniscus. Yeah. Yeah. Your Two ne- meniscus. Right. Yeah. And it was like,
0: so how do you? So it's interesting. You talk about how you have to l- gain other people's trust. So how how do you think you go about gaining people's trust? What's the way to do it?
2: I. I honestly think that like it's by creating relationship with my teammates, but also like on the court, like I have to, I have to perform if I want them to, like respect me the way like I want to be respected. Like obviously, I can just come here and just like go through the motion and then not performing because then like
0: yeah. So it's interesting, right? I feel like Alex, you could speak a little bit to this because coming in as an older player, there's certain things you know you know how to conduct yourself, right? You've you've been through the uh, rigorous program in terms of expectations and stuff, so you know how to conduct yourself, but still, like, you don't have the, the relationship necessarily with the guys yet to be one of the leaders per se. So you can only – do you feel like you can only be a leader by example and, and, and you can't necessarily have as much say as, as other, other uh, veteran players on the team?
1: Yeah, so especially last year. I, I think last year, vocally, like, the first half of the season I took a back seat because i knew personally i had to i had to adjust myself and i had to show them that you know like i'm for real mm-hmm. like i'm here and i'm good and like i think once the guys saw how much hard work i put in and how much time i put in the gym mm-hmm. i think that's when they were like holy crap like alex is there alex right. is good and and once i showed them towards like the second semester towards the end of the year i feel like the the guys really looked up to me and that's when i started to vocal more but I wasn't as much of a leader like motivational speech. I was more like of a hype man, like right. this energized guy who but was you just... you
0: found your role, right? Yeah. You yeah, figured yeah. out, okay, I'm not the I'm not the guy that's gonna be getting after people mm-hmm. expecting more, but I'm I can I can provide something just by my my play and all the work I put into the game off the court but also just being being a positive voice in the locker room
1: yeah yeah so yeah pretty much last year like I don't think I ever said anything to anyone yep. last year I was just like this guy was trying to hype up everyone coach was telling this guy oh you shouldn't have shot that I was like nah nah that's a good yeah. shot <laughs> keep shooting that keep it's showing like, that it's like the angel
0: and the devil yeah, on your shoulder, yeah, yeah. shoulder coach is the yeah, or exactly. you're the angel he's the devil or whatever was like yo great maybe, shot man maybe he's I don't know someone's the devil someone's the angel yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's so funny so, so both of you went from living, uh, Alex in, in Washington, D.C., Sierra in uh, South Carolina. That's right. I forgot where Clemson was. Uh, so, but, so I think this is more for Sierra because you're living at home now with, with your family again. So what is that adjustment like from living three years in a, in a foreign country and, and South Carolina, which is a, a very different environment than Montreal, let's say, uh, what has what, what that adjustment been like? moving
2: back home? Well, honestly, it's, it's been hard. Yeah. Because like, like you said, like I was by myself in South Carolina and like I was being, like I was on my own own schedule, like outside of basketball. Yeah. And like I was, I didn't have to really answer to no one. Now being back at home, I'm with my parents, I have like my siblings and stuff. So like now it's, it's harder. Because now like when I'm going somewhere, like being asked, like, where are you going? So now I have to answer. Yeah. And like So yeah, it's hard. But then, the other thing too is like um, Clemson. It's in the like, um, guess like country, and McGill obviously it's in the city. Right. So now like have to adjust again to public transportation mm-hmm. and that. And yeah, it's it's been it's been hard, but I'm happy to be home.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you find yourself uh, trying to spend more time with family, trying to avoid family a little bit? Like,
2: I think it's uh, it's a little bit of both because one of the reasons why I decided to come back was for my family, but at the same time, again, like, sometimes, like, just because, like, I have to readjust a be at home, like, I get easily annoyed with, like, being asked questions and stuff. <laughs> but, again, like, I'm, I'm happy to be home and, like, yeah, I try to spend a lot of time with, like, my, also my extended family because, like, I didn't get to see them, like, even when I was coming back for, like, a couple days, like, sometimes I, I didn't get to see those people. So, like, I try to see them as much as I can, like, when I have free time right. so I can, like, catch up from, like, yeah. the time I missed.
0: And Alex, so you came from Washington D.C., which is also a, a big city. So, what was that adjustment like for you?
1: Honestly, it wasn't that much a big adjustment. I just felt like I was. I got to see my parents and my yeah. my brother a lot more. So that was that was that great. Was for you, right? yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. like my parents, they would come to my game. I remember my first year, they would come to my games, away games, and I would see them for literally fifteen minutes after the game, and then that and was they it. Would drive back. Yeah, and, that was yeah. it. Like I wouldn't see them for three months. So now they're at all my games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go out and eat after. Uh, I get to see like on holidays. I get to see my grandma. I get yeah. to do yeah. I get to do stuff like I get to see my friends that I would only that see in the summer. Yeah, it, yeah right? exactly. Yeah. Like, like guys that I've been the stage of in high school with that I just couldn't like I wouldn't see them before. I
0: remember when I was making my university decision. Like, if and it feels like forever ago now. You know, but when I was making that decision, uh, my parents were trying to sell me on McGill. My mom is a McGill grad. My dad went to Concordia, so so both schooled in Montreal. But I remember the big thing for them was to to know that they could. They selfishly wanted me to go to McGill so that they could go to as many home games as possible, right? Because I mean, my parents are come to everything. Like we went to um, we did a three on three tournament last year in China, and my dad flew to China. You know what I mean? Like they 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 love watching me and my brothers play sports and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty like that's something when you're making your decision, you don't necessarily think about what your parents want, but it's so. I can I'm starting to think of myself now as a parent and to be able to watch my kid play at university sports it must be pretty special. Yeah, right, so. I can
1: so I could relate to that cuz when I when I was making my decision to come back yeah like I was always like weighs, weighing uh, cons and pros and then my dad was always like I could I could feel he was pushing towards Miguel so much just because yeah. of that cuz yeah. he was like he was hyped to come and come back for me to come back and see me play all the time. Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: So now that you guys have kind of like settled in, I mean, we're recording this, it's November. Um, what are the bigger, biggest differences between a school like Clemson versus a school like McGill in terms of maybe not necessarily support for the varsity athlete, but, but um, like the, the school culture, the sports culture. Can you maybe touch on that a little bit?
2: Um, well, to me, the biggest thing is like the, the family atmosphere, I think Clemson the fact that it was such a little town and like it was like literally like smaller than downtown Mon- uh, Montreal okay. like it was so small that like you could like feel that like like you knew everyone like you would just walk into the grocery store and then people would just like wave at you and then say hi like, cause was they'd... it
0: people that you knew or people that just recognized no, you No it was just people
2: people that just knew I was an athlete okay. like they either like see me on like a basketball poster or came to games and they would just like come and ask how we were doing and then um, also like the school, like the the support there at school is like really big. Like to me, when I first got there, like English was a uh, an issue, like at first because like I wasn't really confident speaking in That's English. That's crazy! Your English is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, so like I had like a I had a a lot of support like uh, with my schoolwork and stuff, like from my um, campus advisor, my. Uh, academic advisor with athletic and also I had a learning specialist who that's um, that's, that's basically a, like a, it's a counselor but who works with specific student athletes and we they provide that more for basketball and football right. but other sports can also have it and like they would go through, they would know my schedule better than me like they would know what I have to do even before I, I know really? and then they will like I'll constantly like remind you and like see if you need help, and then trying to help you with your assignment. So my first semester, that was really helpful to me. And then after, I was able to do stuff by myself. But I think, like, the biggest thing uh, to me is, like, here, I don't know if it's because, like, again, like, it's just in this city, and it's more like people are doing their own thing. But, like, I don't really feel the same atmosphere that I felt over there.
0: Yeah. But then
2: that's also because, like, I mean, the program, it's, like, it's different, I think. Yeah.
0: But I'm I'm interested because there's there's this idea about Division One sports, and either of you can speak to this, but that uh, especially basketball players and football players receive a lot of help academically, and like help is in like in in uh, scare quotes, basically. Like like uh, by help, I mean you don't necessarily have to do everything that a normal student would do. Is is that is that a fair? Is that, that an unfair thing to think?
2: I I think it's unfair. I think it like again mm. that's like. I, I think it's, I think it's unfair. <laughs> I
1: think it's I think it depends on Let's the... Hear pro- out. Let's hear her Let's hear I out. think it
2: depends on the program because I know it happens for football mm-hmm. and probably men's basketball.
0: Just to put it into context, Clemson's men's football team is one of the best, if not one, the best. one of the best.
1: The wow. best. I'll, I'll the best. The best. pretty good. I don't uh, want to talk uh, about Alba. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, um, yeah, so like... We had tutors too, so for every single one of our classes, we had an assigned tutor that, would, that we would see like twice a week. Mm-hmm. And in those during session, it would be like an hour where you're going through, like you literally going through your schoolwork mm-hmm. or like whatever essay you have to submit. But they have like rules. I know for myself, from my own experience, I didn't get helped with my stuff, but I know some athletes that like, their tutor would do their work. So right. I think it depends on who you are and also, what sports you're representing? Because it was the reality for someone; it wasn't my reality. Right. But we'll see what Alex says yeah, about Alex, that. Alex
1: has been grabbing the mic, trying <laughs> to get it back. <laughs> no, all right. I don't have any bad experience, like quote unquote bad help. But I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like stuff happens like that. Like I feel, like I know stuff happens like that. But um, the difference between Canada and here, I feel like, is uh, like the teachers that, like, for example, I would. Every December or November, I would miss a complete month of school because we would play out uh, like away or, like, or all uh, all our uh, out non, of conference non-conference, yeah non conference right? yeah. games were away. So I would literally miss a whole month of school. But I think it's fair that I that my teachers would actually help me out mm-hmm. and you know like that I would get tutors for free and right. stuff like that and that my my teachers are rescheduling exams for me or they're giving me more time for stuff or they let me. I personally, I just think it's 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 only fair. Like I'm representing the school. I'm doing all this stuff. It's not like I'm I'm doing something else that I shouldn't be doing. Right. But I'm pretty. Sure, like, but talking about Sierra, like for high major schools, I'm like definitely stuff like that happens where you got guys not doing their work and just getting A's for no reason. Right.
0: But like, do you think? Do you think? So so Sierra was talking about how you can kind of get out of it what you want like if you want to get the highest amount of help you can get that and but you could also do a lot of the work for yourself or almost all of it right so d- do you think that there's still value in that education
2: yeah i think they are cuz for them like the people that works they're separate from the people that works from the athletic department, the one that works that helps us with their academic stuff. Like they really want to see us succeed in the classroom. Like mm-hmm. they're trying to help us out. Like the the whole learning specialist thing is like it's way it's more for you to adapt, and then at some point they're trying to get you out of that where you don't need that anymore. Like to me, it was a semester and I was out, and I requested to be out because I personally don't like when people track my stuff. Like I hate it to be like to feel like I'm being like controlled by right. someone. But I've seen people who would stay there for, their four, for four years because cause some athletes, like you have to think about it, they're, there to, they're not there to get the education. They get, they're there because they have to, and they're trying to go play pro.
1: Yeah, and you hear a lot from coach about it. Your coach reminds you that a lot, that you're there on an athletic scholarship. Really? I, yeah.
2: Even though when they recruit you, they, say, they talk about school because that's what your parents want to hear, but when you get there, they'll tell you, I didn't recruit you because you could get A's in the classroom. I recruit you so you can play. You know what I mean? So, so I mean that's the,
0: that's I mean that's not crazy for me to hear because like we know about the college basketball world. We know how how corrupt it is, and how ev- now you know all the stuff with the FBI releasing wiretaps and all that kind of stuff. Like now the mainstream world is starting to learn about it, but we've known it for a long time. Just running the AAU circuit and knowing that you know money is coming and going, duffel bags are being dropped, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, that's I mean that's crazy, right? Like because. It, it, you, you could literally go through four years and not learn a thing, and you, and it's hard as it's hard as an athlete because you want to do your best. So there's, do you think like it's like I think it's hard to weigh, am I going to practice more on basketball? Am I going to go to the classroom? Like how how do you weigh
1: that? Like don't quote me on this, but I think like the passing to play to to remain eligible, I think it's like a two point three GPA. One point eight. One point eight. All right, so, like, I mean, I'm not I'm not picking on anyone, but that's kind of a, like, you know what I mean, like, it's, so you don't really need to go to class that much in order to stay eligible. So I've had teammates who, who wouldn't do well in the classroom, and, I mean, my coaches care to some extent, but as long as they remain eligible, they didn't care at all whether they had uh, Cs or Ds as long as they remain eligible. And it, they didn't care if they were going to finish their graduate, uh, their undergrad in four years, like, if they weren't done after they're playing after their 4 years of playing well that's their problem then
2: i think it's different for like a woman's sport than a men's sport just because like there's this thing where we get reminded that like at some point you're going to have to stop playing you know and you have to like prepare for something either cuz like like you're a woman like at some point you want a family like you can't keep Doing your sport and having a family like a man. Sometimes it's hard, you know. So you, or still, like, so
0: you still think there's like gender, like gender roles in in, in play? Here?
2: Yeah, there is because for they us, they ex- yeah, the yeah the expectation in the classroom for us, like on my team, it was really high. Like our coaches, like even though they would remind us that like you're there for like um, basketball, but we had to perform in the classroom. Like you couldn't just come there and just like pass out a 60 and think it's okay. So like it's you. then? So it was more like because she was trying to prepare us for like what was next, right. and also like going pro. The percentage of you going play, to play in the WNBA, it's less than the guys going in the NBA because there's less or overseas, teams. Right? yeah, or, yeah,
1: more yeah.
2: So like there's and more money. Exactly. So like it's like it's harder for a woman. Like and. Like, how many, like, it's, like, 32 girls I get drafted a year really? to in the WNBA. Yeah. I think it's three rounds of 12 or three rounds of some, Some I don't know. So, like, it's it's harder for uh, for girls. So, like, we were all to, like, oldest standard. But, again, like what Alex said, it's, it's true. Like, I've seen people who would take the same class four times and fail it just because they're not focused or they just want to do it. And all they have to do is, like, oh, well, if I – Class, the minimum required class like I'll be eligible to be the next semester and then I'll just push it back push it back and then when I'm done hopefully I could go get drafted and I don't need to finish my degree I just right. need to go through my four years make sure I'm eligible and then move on yeah
0: all right so we've kind of talked a little bit about education and trying to weigh the pros and cons not, not necessarily pros and cons but the time you put into school and, and basketball but like so but the elephant in the room is obviously the amount of money that you guys generate for your schools, right? By by being part of teams and, and promoting and, and the crowds that you get to your games and stuff. So like but we like let, let's have this conversation and try to put aside our bias as college athletes, right? But you know, trying to put that on the side. Uh, do we do you guys think that players should be paid?
1: I think so. I think yes, but I think we have to differentiate on which player needs uh, needs to get paid or oh, more like which league within the NCA needs to get paid and which league doesn't okay so, so
0: I'm, you were telling me a little bit about this before we started talking mm-hmm. but why, why do you think there's only a certain amount of leagues that deserve to pay their players
1: like for those who don't know like the way they separate it it's like there's a high major there's mid major and then there's low major but isn't that kind
0: of like a colloquial thing? That's just kind of like, oh, this school is a high major. Well, there's the
1: Power Five conferences. Okay. That's like high major, and then under That's like, that... That's like
0: Big Ten, ACC, SEC, 12. Big 12? Oh, yeah, Big 12. So yeah. those five, okay. So,
1: yeah, those five are the money makers, you know? Those five conferences are the ones you're going to see on ESPN. Mm-hmm. They're, those are the ones they are going to sell out arenas. Those are the ones that are going to end up in the March Madness. Meanwhile... When you look at um, mid-majors or low-majors, they make money. They make money off of those high-major schools, but they don't attract fans. They don't attract that much money for the NCAA in general. So I don't think, as long as they don't have to pay for anything, as long as everything's covered for them, I don't think they should get extra benefit, well, extra money, like paid, whatever. (laughs) But I think that those who attract a lot, I think they should get paid.
2: Can I, can I take back the bias of me sure. being an athlete?
1: Okay.
2: Um, coming from a big program, like a big school, like uh, ACC school, where everything was paid for me. I didn't have to... There's no extra money that came out of my own pocket. Mm. Like, having that extra money actually helps, just because, like, yeah, they're paying for my food, they're paying for my living, they're paying for school, books, gear, ev- like clothing, everything. But, like, having the extra... Um, $500 a month in my pocket was something that like I didn't have to ask my parents to send me money like throughout my my 3 years at Clemson I didn't ask for a single dollar from my parents except for them pay, to pay for my flights No
1: I think uh, you guys might be agreeing like, with each other That's what I was saying like as long as I don't have to pay nothing
0: You think you shouldn't I think like money. okay okay All right no no but the
1: thing though. is the thing is like the scholarship oh I be, no, no, go ahead? That's fine. Right. No, no go ahead, Like The scholarship <laughs> will cover your 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 living expenses, your food, but at the end of the day you're going to have money left over from that check and then monthly you're going to be able to live off of that. Well, yeah, kind of, I think so. But those guys uh I mean if you talk about a salary, like a salary could be a lot man. If, if you have like a this is a job like when you talk when you think about hours, mm-hmm. like yeah, you're you have right. a 3-hour practice. But I think
0: I'm more my counterpoint to this is that even if even if you're not a, a high major school per se, the university is still using you and marketing you and your teammates to the people of the town. So, like, let's think of, like, uh, I don't know. You, know you played in the Patriot League, right? So let's think of, like, Bucknell. Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, super small town. But I'm sure that there's so much time being spent marketing these athletes, putting them on posters, selling jerseys with their names on them. Like, people in that town support that team. I remember you were telling me that, yeah. right? So... In any profession, you should be able to be paid off your likeness right because they 're using your likeness to benefit, to profit and and they 're covering it under the guise of a, a, a scholarship
1: yeah. I thought coming from like a finance and accounting point of view they don 't I don't even think they break. Actually, yeah, they probably break. even. No, they don't even okay, break even. They like
0: say, I think they say that, but the fa- you have to understand. I, well, this is my impression is that they say that they don't break even, but the facilities that they
1: that the money is reinvested into are insane. The, but you have to think about like they have thirteen scholarship. Let's say uh, let's say like an average of fifty thousand dollars. All right, that's what is that like sixty. Uh, Six hundred and fifty uh, thousand, mm-hmm. plus the coach's salary, which mm-hmm. is like two fifty. Mm-hmm. So like, like you're almost at a million yet, All right. You like your assistant coaches, your trainers, and your stuff. Like most people don't know. Also, you're gonna make a lot of money going places like off conference, uh, on non conference, non conference games, yeah, right? Because yeah, so, like, like, teams pay you. To come I remember, play. man. We like we would go to LSU, Illinois, like stuff. Like they would pay us a hundred grand just to go and play mm-hmm. and catch an L. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but. Um, I don't know, but okay, so we uh, just a counterpoint. This is, So the way I think it should work is we, it should be all financially, finan, like we should really get down to the nitty gritty financially, right? It, you have to look at the money that the certain team brings at the door, yeah. and of that money, you should be able to divide it by player, and, and then there's a percentage, a percentage of it that goes by player. I think that's like the most logical way to do it, right? Because if you think about the, the jerseys and the team gear, you know, it's very common in college basketball for them to sell like a a Duke Blue Devils jersey that has number one on it. It doesn't say Williamson on the back, yeah. but it, everyone knows it's a Zion jersey, right? So there has to be a there has to be a way that you can make a percentage of the money that your team brings in. I think that's like the only logical way to do it. And so obviously, if you attend Duke University, you might you might make more than you do if you were at I don't know Lafayette. I keep
1: picking on Patriot League
0: schools, but. But uh, I don't
1: know why. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, um, I mean, I just want to reiterate what I was saying was more for mid majors and low majors, like like. But
0: uh, I I think it's still applicable.
1: You think so? Yeah, because Uh, because,
0: let's say, how how big was the stadium that you played in, Alex? Like, like how many uh, people
1: did it seat? Like, like seven, six, six or seven thousand. Right. So if you sell that out, and tickets are a certain amount of money, like the attendance was probably like fifteen hundred. Right, like, but that's uh, that's just your school. But
0: yeah, other schools yeah. will probably sell that out if it's a small town, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there 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 actually is a good amount of money that is coming into the program if it's the only show in town. So I don't know. What do you think, Sarah? I feel like we left you out a little bit.
2: Um, <laughs> well, I agree that athletes should be paid. I know that right now, like in the NCAA, they they have this big discussion, whereas they need to pay the athletes. And right now, like I think there's a. 200 million dollars that they have agreed to go back to the athletes and um it's like from 2010 to 2017 like those athletes that didn't get paid and then Mm -hmm. um like the checks haven't dropped yet but they're trying to wait like how much money players should get depending on the programs and stuff so I think they're trying to make change with that and also um like again like Alex said like I kind of agree with his with what he's saying about, like, mid-major and high-major. Because, again, like, they don't bring as much money. So, like, it'll be, like, their school is not making as much money, so it'll be hard to pay those athletes. Whereas, like, a school like Duke, who's getting a whole lot of money because of, like, all the star players that they have, or, like, uh, like a school like, I don't know, like, Clemson, let's say. <laughs> like... They have that type of money to pay their athletes and also like the time that I just feel like the time that athletes spend in the gym practicing, uh, playing games, like being there for workouts, like it's insane and that they don't receive like receiving five hundred dollars a month for the amount of time that you're putting on the court and you can't work your real job or have like any right. type of money. It's the so it's like, the
0: opportunity cost of investing into
2: yeah, college. Sports. Like you're you're finishing college where there's a lot of people that like they have like they have the chance to, like, uh, do, like, an internship of, like, work their job or, like, mm-hmm. going and do some stuff to, like, start, like, this net network for, like, the for future job that, like, student athletes sometimes don't have the opportunity to do just because of the time they spend on their sport. And then, so, yeah, you start with, like, you don't have any debt when you start your life, but you don't have any, like, any, like, revenue either when oh. some athletes, because, like, they work jobs and stuff, so they have, like, connection. They start building that. And, like, I just think that, the way for athletes to kind of, like, balance it out is, like, to have some type of money, right. too.
0: I think, like, yeah, I think I think we're entering a time where that's something that's becoming more and more universally agreed upon. So before we go, uh, it's funny, today's November 3rd, and recently in the news, there was a... And this is kind of... I think this is well-known for people in the basketball community, but maybe people around sports might not know, but there was a video that was posted onto Twitter, and a lot of NBA players retweeted it because it's, it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty. I don't know if scarring is the word, but but uh, alarming might be the word of a uh, of a high school coach in Florida, talking about one of his players that wanted to transfer, and I I, I made sure to share it with both Alex, both both you, Alex and Sierra, and 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 I really implore everyone to go look for it. the The coach's name is Mike Woodbury, and you can you can find it on the web, but um and and. In in, in in this conversation, a player came into his coach's office and recorded a conversation with his coach because he wanted to show the world kind of the way some coaches feel like they can control players who want to transfer out of programs. So obviously, I don't... I'm, well, maybe not obviously, but my impression is that your coaches didn't do that to you guys when you asked to transfer or... or not both of you played three years of university sports, so when you decided to, to to move out of the program, but can you talk a little bit about how that relationship with your coach might have been when you told them the news that you wanted to transfer?
2: Um, for myself, well, from the start, I had a pretty good relationship with my coaches outside of uh, basketball. Like I was close to them, especially like my head coach and my position coach. So they kind of kn- knew that I was gonna thinking about it yeah, yeah they knew i was thinking about it that's for sure and they kind of knew it was coming not 100 percent, but they kind of knew and going into the the meeting i was obviously stressed because like i didn't know what to expect like the reaction and stuff and again like you said like they're they're controlling because like you're they're putting you on a scholarship so you kind of belong to them if i can use that word and so i was um I was pretty stressed out. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I remember, like, I cried before. Like, I was, like, it was, like, it was a really emotional moment for me because, like, it was a hard decision, right, obviously. Sure. Like, it's three years of my life. Um, but she, I walked in there. She listened to me. And after, like, her response was pretty good. Like, yeah. she was just, like, um, you're graduating. Obviously, I was graduating. Mm-hmm. So she knew that was coming. And like the reason that I gave her, it was she agreed upon them, and she also understood my choice. And she was pretty like she was supportive, and even like till today, like I still like talk to them. So like I like I didn't ended up in a bad note. So for me, it was a pretty good experience. But I know people were like coaches hold grudges. You know, you don't want to okay. see your sometimes you don't want to see your player um, live. But I know when. The, the big difference for me was that at first when I told them that I was leaving they didn't know I was returning to Canada so it was the first re- transfer yeah. to an,
0: uh, another team like that's what they
2: thought at first threat. I was going yeah. to another program so at first one of the coaches his reaction I didn't really like it it was pretty <laughs> much it was uh, it was rude yeah like like it was pretty rude but then when I mentioned Canada you could tell that the whole entire the vibe, vibe changed, changed. Yeah. yeah and now he was more like well, I'm wishing you all the best yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But at first... That fake shit. His, yeah, his reaction was more like he took it to heart. Like we took it personal when it, had nothing, it was nothing personal. It was, it was never personal. Exactly. Right.
1: What about you, Alex? What was your experience like? Um, just like Sierra, I think I was lucky. I didn't have one of those coaches who, who held it against me. Mm-hmm. I think he had some respect for me, I guess, because I stuck out my three years without, without any problems. I was always like like hardworking and then he knew he did me wrong like many times throughout my three years so i think he knew it was coming also Mm -hmm. but he was actually pretty cool about it he was like okay well he kind of admitted that he he messed up with me and that he didn't give me any chances like enough chances and then he was like oh okay like do you know where you're going like is like do you need any help Mm -hmm. is it like so that was pretty cool of him
0: do you think the conversation changed when you mentioned that you wanted to come home
1: uh yeah some like in some way he was like oh okay you're just going home so and when when uh when they like released it after they kind of made it seem like oh alex graduated so he's going home because he's getting two more years right to make them look better you know right, right, right. but the real reason was like yeah i'm trying to get how do the you hell think uh,
0: how do you think he felt when he watched you
1: put 30 on duke I don't wow. know, man. everyone was telling me to. Ever, actually, everyone was tagging AU Men's Basketball really? on my on oh, my video, that's so awesome. and then and then I had some teammates back from the, there that were like, "Yo, like, this is crazy, blah blah,", blah. and uh, everyone was like, "Yo, send them your tapes, Just send them, yeah. send them an email."
0: I know that had to feel good. All right, guys, we're about to wrap up, and like we like to do here. I wanna, I'm really curious to know, what would you guys do at McGill if you weren't student-athletes?
1: I don't know. I'd probably focus more on school and probably work. I'd, like, I know, well, I mean, I focus now on school, but... Work
0: on that transition into, like, life after basketball. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, I would get a lot more involved with, like, in the accounting and finance community, like, like group projects, the case competition, get, in, get internships, and, mm-hmm. and just try to build my resume to get those higher, like, those really great jobs right out of college, because... We put so much time into basketball. Like, if you translate, there's a cost. There's a cost too. Yeah, sure. I mean, and if you translate those 20, 30 hours into the, uh, your schoolwork, I mean, it's insane the things you could do. Like, yeah, for sure. The on top of what we're doing right now. Okay, so you'd be a nerd. Good. Okay,
2: Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me, uh, again, uh, I would be, I'll be working, and also like I'll be doing like a lot of community work, like like for the community. Um, I'll try to get involved in like, in the school and like associations and stuff. Cause like I think like the biggest thing is to build connections. Later in life, like you never know, like how could that mm-hmm. help? How?
0: How it could help? Yeah, you. yeah, exactly. I got you.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, I think that would, that would be my thing. Like and um, yeah, putting time and helping the community. I think it's something I like to do. Giving
0: back. That's yeah, awesome. I was
2: doing that at Clemson too. So yeah.
0: Guys, thank you so much for coming on. thank you again for listening this podcast is brought to you by the bull and bear you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter you can find all episodes on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the varsity voice is produced by zach lannis and Maraid Shaw. until next time support mcgill athletics